Football on the Sports Social Podcast Network is brought to you by BetVictor, where new signings are guaranteed a great debut. Join and choose your welcome offer at betvictor.com. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away. Specifically, the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Hi, everyone. What's up? Chelsea fans, I hope you're all feeling good. This is Xavier Mbuyamba, and you're listening to the Blue Day Podcast. Enjoy. Welcome back, my friends, to the podcast that will never end. Yes, this is the Blue Day podcast, and for Chelsea fans everywhere, every day is a Blue Day. I am your host, the creator, the man with a face for podcasting, Keith Lawrence, and joining me this week is a man who, on the pitch in his day, was as hard as nails, but off it now, he's one of the nice guys. It's Steve Wick. Steve, welcome back. How are we? Did you have a nice weekend? I did, Keith. It It was a lovely, sunny weekend. And a great result as well for the boys. And uh, that was really important Saturday. Yes, we're going to talk about the Chelsea West Ham game soon. But Steve, we discussed it vaguely off off the podcast last week about the Super League nonsense and everything that was coming towards it. Because we did our show last Sunday. We were recording last Sunday. And that was when the news broke out that these clubs have signed up. So we didn't know too much about it at the time. Lo and behold, days after... We find out what's really the issue and fans have been protesting and the clubs have now backed out. So a week has passed. What's, again, your thoughts on the situation? And I'll throw the question to you. Do you think that this is over or do you believe that the Super League talk could come back in the near future? I think it's important that having experienced what we experienced and how they did it, and let's be fair about it, it was talk about uh, a sly way of doing things and keeping it to themselves right to the last minute, I thought was absolutely diabolical because it it didn't only affect uh, the six teams involved, it, it, it affected the whole pyramid and it put all the smaller clubs in a precarious position and everyone in football who's a true football fan was betrayed by their, you know, by their actions. I had Chelsea fans, I never thought I'd ever hear it. Chelsea fans that have supported Chelsea all their lives, hoping they get relegated because of what they've done. And I think that was the extent of the of the passion showed by the supporters who, to me, were unbelievable. They all everyone stuck together. Uh, and they changed their minds pretty quickly, didn't they? They certainly did. I think it was less than 48 hours, wasn't it? That by the time that they said they were going to join this Super League to then all six English clubs saying, 
we don't want no part of it. I mean, as far as I know at the moment, there's only two clubs that are yet to say they're going to back out, and that's Barcelona and Real Madrid. So I think that t- for me, that tells you everything you need to know. But yeah, Steve, I agree with you. The, the passion that not just sort of the big six clubs fans, but everybody, you know, um, I, I wasn't there at the Stanford Bridge protest. I, I did watch it through people that were had it on YouTube and on Facebook Live. But you had other fans there. You had Brentford fans there, West Ham fans there that wanted to get involved and felt that this was going to affect them. And, you mm. know, the, the biggest issue for me in regards to the Super League, and I did want to get your point on this, Steve, was UEFA have you know condemned it and pretty much said that it was the most ridiculous idea ever brought upon. But at the same time, UEFA want to change the Champions League to get more teams in, so it defeats that elitist uh, category, but also to make more money. And FIFA have also looking to change the club world championship. So they want more teams in that, which means they'll get more revenue in that. So in regards to that, I can see in certain contexts, both sides of the story. At the end of the day, it's all to do with money. It's not to do with competition. It's not to do with winning trophies. It's all about money and and the revenue. And I think Florentino Perez has certainly made a reputation of, of for himself by not just saying ridiculous things that 16 to 24 year olds are getting bored of football but also the fact that this would save world football I I find it hard to fathom how that is the case No I think that's absolute bunker to be honest with you I think it destroys football in this country I think you'd have seen football clubs you know folding beyond belief especially with I think that's another dreadful thing is the timing of all this. You know, clubs are hanging on by the skin of their teeth. And they've t- the timing of this was absolutely disgusting. Disgusting. And also, if you look at all these six clubs, um, and I'm a player's man, so I, but all these six clubs that we're talking about, if you add up their debt, it is billions and billions of pounds. Billions of pounds. And I think they're struggling as much as the small clubs, probably more because they owe so much. And that is all about players' wages. Players' wages have gone through the roof. It re- they really have. And clubs now, even the big clubs, the best clubs in the world are struggling, especially as again, again, you know, with what's happened to pay their players' salary. Now, if you look at Chelsea's squad, of players that they got, which is huge. You know, in my day, we had 18. 18 and about 100 quarter zone injections were part of our squad. Um, but now you look at the squad, you go into Cobham, you see the car park. The car park is unbelievable with the amount of, I'd love to add up the amount of pounds <laughs> in that car park. So everything, and football's got to be looked at across every section of it because all clubs are doing are going deeper and deeper and deeper into debt. And when you've got owners of these clubs that have no idea about our heritage and our history, and all they're worried about is the bottom line, it is very, very frightening. What they wanted to, to do between was create a new NFL. 
Yes. Where they take the 39 games to China or they take it here, they take it there. Football, it will always be about money. Money, money, money. And the guy at Arsenal and the guy at Manchester United, all they've ever done is take money out of the club. More and more money. And that's half the problem with the, these clubs. That they're not run anymore for the supporters. It's run as a complete business. And if they can get a bigger profit elsewhere, they wouldn't give, excuse my French, a toss about it. And it's, it, it affected every club. You know, Everton, they now must be very happy with their manager. Do you think Carlo would stay there if he was left with the Premier League? The, 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 you know, can you imagine TV rights for Burnley versus Crystal Palace? You know, with TV rights would have gone through the floor. Without the big six, TV deal would have been dead. And I think yeah. the Premier League partly would have been dead. They would have to have restructured the whole the whole thing. But their big six, you know, and other people kept saying that the domestic leagues wouldn't be affected. But then on the other side of the coin, things were also mooted, whereby chief chairmen and chief executives said, and again, this is allegedly what they said was that, that they would prioritise this Super League over their own domestic league. So there'd be no Champions League. So this would be their European competition. But if they had a game on Saturday and a game on Tuesday, they would uh, speak to their coach about having second string squad yeah. for the for a Premier League game, which I, I found that disturbing because... Yeah, yeah. We, you know, why would a club? We'll take, we'll take Chelsea's case as this is Blue Day podcast. But can you imagine Chelsea at home to Brighton, or Chelsea at home to lead Chelsea at home to Leeds United? You know, Chelsea fans, some most of them are for a certain era despise Leeds. Leeds fans don't like Chelsea. Can you imagine Leeds United the way they are at the moment? And they did fantastically well against Manchester United yesterday. Can you imagine them playing against? a reserve side of Chelsea because Chelsea have got Tottenham in a European dead rubber game. I mean, this is what Florentino Perez wanted. This is what the big six wanted. And I'm I'm glad that they've backed out, obviously. But me being quite a pessimistic guy, this ain't over. No, 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 it's not. It's not. Look, Keith, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. But... It's got to be structured right. If they're going to do it and it's inevitable, then every our game and our history has been built on clubs having the chance to go all the way, all the way up to the top, right? What you can't do is have a exclusive uh, Super League with no relegation. So that those dreams of getting as far as you can go don't exist anymore in football. But everyone's got to have a a fighting chance of getting to the top. But again, it was the Americans. It was, it was, it was backed by an American bank. It was the Americans saying, and this is what they do in America. They have a world championship in America, whether it be baseball, American football, they, ter- they term it the world championship. Now, none of those clubs can get relegated. The other thing I ask, would the football clubs then be turned into franchises and moved all over the place? You know, that's, you know, that's, that's the American way. They'd have more and than it, one stadium. 
Yeah. They could have a stadium in America or China or even Australia. Yeah. And for the working man in the street, how could they possibly afford to go to games and support their clubs? Well, it's bad enough now. But if you compare that to what it would be, tickets would be through the roof because clubs would go, right, Barcelona are coming on Tuesday. We're going to put the prices up by another 50 quid. As you say, guy on the street who's got two or even four kids, there's no way he's going to afford it. And and the flights and everything, you know. That's right, yes. It's just, it was just thought of for the bottom line. There was no thought whatsoever about supporters. Nothing at all. Um, And as I say, the guy at Liverpool and the guy at Arsenal, they are billionaires. They are absolutely loaded. But it's like Liverpool. On the football side of things, they've been let down this year. There's been no investment into that football club at all. Even Sir Alex, when they won the European Cup, always bought two or three players to refresh the squad. and Jürgen must be pulling his hair out at the moment with what's happening because it's been allowed to happen because did they think that this Super League was going to happen? Is that why they haven't invested? Would they have gone for huge players if they'd gone that Super League? Interesting. Rather than playing now, you know, their whole business plan could have been built around the fact that the Super League, League was going to happen. And what would the Premiership mean anyway? Because they're in Europe. You know, it's, Interesting you know, like it, it's, it's, it, no, as I said, no thought has been given to Joe Bloggs or the other clubs that are fighting for their lives. It's, it was a very sad, sad indictment of our, of the owners of these clubs. And this is why I think we've got to start in this country really having a look at the owner, the owners of these fo- football clubs, you know, because they've, they've betrayed everybody. Are you surprised that Chelsea, late last week, they issued a, the club issued a statement basically saying that they realised what they did was wrong. They want to make sure that the link between themselves and the community and, and, and the wider world is, is intact and not damaged because of it. But there was no actual apology from that statement, whereas Arsenal have apologised, Liverpool have apologised, Liverpool even posted a video of their owner. You know, obviously it was all pre-written. It wasn't obviously coming from the heart. It was all sort of written beforehand, but he apologised. Are you you surprised that Roman, or probably maybe not Roman, because Roman's never done anything public, especially in this country, but somebody higher up at Chelsea didn't do a written apology, not just to the fans, but to English football? What nationality is Bruce Butt? American. Right? He probably knows everyone. So there was that, they, they kept they kept their own counsel, didn't they, uh, most of them? And I think he was heavily involved in this thing. I think he, you know, he, he would have been heavily involved. Now, Roman, I don't think I've heard many apologies from Roman. I really don't. But I'll ask you the question. The Super League is there and no one had pulled out, and it was going to happen, would a demonstration have changed their mind? Would Chelsea have let the other five, if you like, go into the Super League without them? No. No. 
Not at all. So what happened, there was a mass, I think, there was a couple of clubs from that six thought about things and they said to each other, it's either all of us or we go forward with it. We either pull out or we all go forward. And I think they decided at this juncture to pull out. But trust me, if it happened again and everything was in place and the, you've got to admire, and again, I don't think I'd ever be saying it, the Germans, their, their, their format of football clubs, that 51% of their full football clubs um, are owned by the fans, is unbelievable. And Bayern Munich would probably... How could you have a super European league without Bayern Munich? I know. How could, how <laughs> could Spurs weave all their way into the, 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 the six when you've got, you know, Aston Villa have won the, the European Cup. Um, Notts Forest have, have won it twice. Leeds United. Um, you know, how they've got into the top six, I don't know. By the same token, Ajax. I don't know. Ajax haven't got into the Super League. You know, and... Could it be a Super League without PSG and Bayern Munich and Ajax? Again, Americans don't understand history. All they're looking at is who's got the biggest stadia. Who's going to make... It's not about the football heritage and history that we have. Revenue. Yeah, that's the key word. And that's why it was all started in the first place. Because all of a sudden, they, they were going to get three billion here and two billion there. And, you know, it was all about money. And I think, you know, the LA Raiders, one of the most iconic um, American football teams, were moved to out of LA to uh, Oakland. That's right. Uh, They're now called the Oakland Raiders, yeah. yeah right. Now, that's like saying, Man United, we're going to move you and call you, uh, where could they move to? Norwich United. You know, it's absolutely ridiculous with an iconic brand like the LA, LA Raiders. And that's the way they are. That's how they they work. And I think with them in charge of it, it would have been a disaster. But the bank, they had the bank loan all done. They, they were going to, you know, third hundred billion or something. You know, it's it's mind-blowing how far it got down the line. And when did these... Talks, negotiations, and actually, when did the contract, when did it get signed and sealed? Because yeah. no way was this all done on that Sunday. This was done months in advance, in oh, my yes. opinion. Definitely. Yeah, this was done months in advance. Yeah, and, and you know, Joe Lewis, the, the uh, you know, the Tottenham owner, uh, he's an American. That's why he's got him. It's the old Pels Act. Mm. You know, it's, it's, and it shouldn't be like that. It should no. be based, everything should be based on, on history because that's what makes football such a great thing is the history. My hope for this, uh, as you say, the chances are it may still happen further down the road, but I just hope that UEFA, with this proposed new format of new, you know, more teams and you know, more matches for, for, the, for the clubs, whether that's a good thing, I, I don't believe it is, but... I still think UEFA needs to change their format of the Champions League. And 
it, it's not going to happen because that means the big clubs like someone like a Milan or where Juventus are at the moment, they're not going to get into the Champions League. And at the end of the day, UEFA, they want the same thing as what the Super League clubs want, money. Yeah, and also, Keith, the Champions League. It's called, you know, it's it's all about champions. And what they, they're looking at more money, but basically... If you look from a fan's point of view, Chelsea have got, I don't know, some team who comes from Norway who finished second, you know, and you know that Chelsea, there's so many European games that you know Chelsea are going to win. You go, you pay your money, but you know Chelsea you know, are going to win. What they're doing is, to a certain degree, they're cheapening it. They, 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 they want to earn money, but half the clubs that will come in won't get past the group stage anyway. Mm. But I think that's quite unfair on fans who, who, through their loyalty, will pay out to go to a game to support their club. But they go to that game knowing Chelsea are going to win. And um, I just think, to me, the old format without the league structure, that you had a draw and you had seeds like the World Cup. Well, you had two-legged games, didn't you? And that was it, mate. And it was you, proper. It was proper knockout. And it was. I remember one of the greatest games I've ever gone to see was Aussie was suspended, and we went out to Bruges, and we got beaten two nil. Two nil. This is the seventy seventy one Cup Winners Cup. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah, Bruges were a very very good side, but. Aussie came back. It was his first game. I think he got eight weeks suspension for something. And he came back into the team. And the atmosphere that night at Stamford Bridge was unbelievable. For those Bruce players, it would have been very intimidating. And Peter Hausman had the game of his life. He put in two of the most beautiful crosses. And Peter scored a couple. And we beat him 4-0. And the atmosphere that night was absolutely incredible. And that's what, to me, European... Football is about not having three chances to qualify. You know, and the, I just think that that should be, you know, because it builds the atmosphere. With all the clubs now, you could have, you know, sort of, I don't know, seven, eight rounds to get to the final. But it's more exciting. But it doesn't make the money. And how many of these owners would that appeal to? Not a lot. No. No, not a lot. That would not appeal to. I, I I agree, Steve. I think this Super League nonsense, I'm glad that it's over for now. And hopefully, if it does rear its ugly head in the near future, that at least a proper proposal comes up. And maybe, just maybe, UEFA might actually consider reforming something else that might actually appeal to these big clubs. But, Steve, just wanted to get your thought on something that... <laughs> Uh, just one thing as well. Yes, I of course. I, Sorry. Go on. The thing I think in this whole um, Super League thing, which no one gave any thought to at all, was if UEFA and FIFA banned the players that were playing in those leagues. Right? Would the young kids of England, that, that it means so much, that Gareth has worked so hard to bring a passion and a pride back into the England shirt, what, what response would have the clubs had from them taking away their international career I'll tell you what if I was a young player I don't care how much money I was earning 
And I was I worked my socks off to get into the England side. And then all of a sudden told, because my club, surely that would have been breach of contract by the club, wouldn't it, to, to allow for that? Surely their actions that stopped someone playing for England, surely that's breach of contract. It's not in the, in the contract, is it, that they, they do that? I think that would have caused major problems. Major problems. But good point. We shall see. But you know, listen, forget the Super League for now. There's a Premier League that still needs to be finished, and it feels like this Premier League season's been carried on and on and on. Um, we've only got five games left. Big game that happened on Saturday, uh, tea time, West Ham versus Chelsea. West Ham lost the previous week to Newcastle. We had a sort of a couple of results, nil-nil against Brighton, which the performance was absolutely terrible. It was really, really bad. But then I was expecting a response. I was expecting Tuchel to respond because of how bad we were against Brighton. And I thought we I thought we did okay. I thought that the team selection was good. I like that Werner was up top despite people clamouring for Giroud and Tammy Abraham. But one surprise that I found in that was that Aspilicueta was playing right wing back and he's 31 years old. He's still, for me, a top defender, but I wouldn't have had him playing right wing back, especially up against sort of the pace that West Ham can show. But we did outstanding, Steve, didn't we? I thought it was a fantastic yeah. performance and another clean sheet. Yeah, it, that that was your old six pointer. That one wasn't it? it was Absolutely, very, yes. It's very, very important, and you know, it's given us now with five games to go. Those three points could be absolutely vital. But I've always thought that West Ham would would tail off. I, I, I it surprised me they're still there now. Um, but um, no, it was a it was a very, very hard fought good win. And again, as you say, a clean sheet. And one player that I know that you're a fan of, that I personally thought was the best player on the pitch, was Christensen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was out- said, outstanding. I, I Sometimes I pull my hair out with him. I, 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 I look <laughs> at him and I'd have loved to have his natural ability on the ball and the, the, his speed. And as I said, he's just got to find that, that, that heart where he... he you know, I feel that if there's a ball in the box and it's foot high, but he can head it to stop a goal, by the time he's thought about it, the ball's in the back of the net. He certainly improved under Thomas Tuchel massively. Most halves, JT would throw his head in it and you know, worry about the things afterwards. That's what defenders are about, to defend first. I think, and I've seen some very, very bad goals conceded in the Premier League, where I think it's almost becoming more important that the defenders want to prove to everyone they can play. That they're ball playing defenders rather than defending first. Yeah. Well, no, defending properly. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, I've seen some very bad goals conceded. Um, and sometimes this, this passing the ball in your own 18 yard box and deary me, you think, <laughs> oh, I've never seen so many teams get themselves in so much trouble. And it's just, I don't know. Especially with the amount of teams now that are pressing from the front. You yeah. know, as soon as the goalkeeper releases the ball, the closest man to them presses, and then you've got the follow-through with yeah. 
the you know with that high press and some teams can cope with it other teams can't but massive confidence boost for Timo Werner getting that goal should have scored a second that that was a guy that you can tell before that game had no confidence I just hope he hasn't ended his drought and started another one with that second that that miss for a second goal I just hope he hasn't started another drought with that well let's hope not no let's let's hope not but no it it was a great performance by Chelsea one major talking point Brown Brainer's tackle yeah and I use that term tackle loosely um the VAR the referee agreed that it was a red card you can see David Moyes on on TV spitting feathers because of that decision. I think Chelsea were, were probably grateful for for that going to VAR. Steve, as a defender, well, how you played the game, could you ever s- suspect that somebody, a defender, would get a red card for a, a challenge with the follow through? Uh, I honestly, my honest, if if um, that was one of Ron Harris's great tricks, that was. But some of the tackles I've seen, if if that's the sending off, then Ron would have been sent to prison for ten years with some of his tackles, <laughs> and some of the tackles from the the hard men that played him. I just find it now it's becoming a non-contact sport, uh, and you know. Uh, and everything you've got to be so careful in everything you do. But I, I no, I didn't think it was sending off. You know, I, I I always look at it and say, you know, would I have booked him? I might. Well, I, I, I Keith. I, some of these VAR things that I've seen this season of of you know uh, when what game was it where the the referee gave a penalty and it was absolutely disgusting. Where was that? Where the it's, guy hardly touched him. Was there's it, been a uh, few. Sheffield versus Brighton. Did they not give a penalty? And you looked at it and you just think to yourself, how on earth has he given the penalty? And it was overruled by the VAR, which was great. But the fact that the referee had given the penalty for that, how did we do with that? You know, uh, you know VAR it was brought in to make you know decisions why we can't just say, right, that line we draw, let's just look at the feet. Let's just look at the feet. You know, let's simplify this. And if the feet are onside, the player's onside. Because it's not about, you can't get, it's just, it's just bizarre how we've complicated it, this whole thing. You know, and I don't know how it's going in Europe, but it's it, some of the decisions that, that uh, are just, I'm God's gobsmack sometimes for them and what I if someone scores a goal like the Newcastle goal and there's no way oh wow yes the uh, Callum Wilson there's no way on this earth he's been hit from a goalkeeper the rebound of a goalkeeper who's literally two foot away from him He's not put his hand anywhere near. It, it, it's hit his hand. The hand, yeah, the arm was still by his side and the arm, the hand didn't move at all, no. Now, next year, if he does that and it hits his hand and he's got the ball an inch from the line but he plays it to his teammate who taps it in, do you know that's a goal? That is a goal. So they've complicated it again. Hmm. It's It's... 
it's just well. It used to be so simple football. <laughs> <laughs> Take us back to the eighties and nineties, I say. Sod it. Um, massive, massive win for Thomas Tuchel on his side. You know, we've got the advantage now. Liverpool dropped points, which will help. We're four points above them now. I think really the places, the Champions League places, I should say, they are between Leicester, Chelsea, West Ham, Liverpool. I can't see Tottenham in that mix now, certainly not with the change of manager and how they performed badly yesterday. But I think there's still some twists and turns to come. Steve, I'll just actually, if you don't mind, I will actually tell you who we've got left to play. And obviously I would like your predictions if possible. Our next Premier League game is against Fulham on the Saturday. We've then got Manchester City away on the 8th of May. We've then got Arsenal midweek on the 12th of May. Leicester is the rearranged game because we've got the cup final with them. And our last game in the Premier League is against Aston Villa. Yeah. Based on those fixtures, can you still see Chelsea finishing in the top four? Yeah, um, yeah most definitely. Because really, when you look at those games that they've got, at the start of the season, they would have been a lot harder than what they are. You know, you've got Arsenal who are very ordinary ordinary at the moment. Aston Villa have fallen off, off a little bit and have had some funny old results. You know, at the start of the season, that would have been a hard game. But that's got easier, that game. You've got every incentive with Leicester because you could finish above Leicester in, you know, in the league if you win. And I think that we can beat Leicester. Um, I think we win the FA Cup. Um, and... Um, and obviously, I'm very excited about tomorrow. Uh, but no, I think those, I think those, those fixtures. I think um, Chelsea will be okay, and they they qualify for the Champions League and win the FA Cup. Especially with the FA Cup, we are in another competition, and this leads us nicely. This leads us nicely to this intriguing game, and I, I will call it intriguing because we've never. It's been a long time since we've played Real Madrid in in the Champions League. Of course, we've not played them in the new format of the Champions League. We played them in the Super Cup in 98 and in the Cup Winners' Cup um, 50 years ago, ironically enough, this this month. Um, It's tomorrow. Massive game. Where do you see this going, Steve? Do you feel that the tie is going to be... Nicely balanced for the second leg, our place, or could you possibly see quite a shock on the cards here, whereby the first leg could be actually settled for tomorrow? Well, I think if you go about it like Liverpool did, um, and what I couldn't believe about Liverpool is you can't allow their midfield players to lift their heads up and pick people out. You've got to work very, very hard. And what I said in our last podcast that we did was I'd set up Chelsea exactly as they were set up against Man City. Because with Man City, you're, you're, you've got the problems. You've got De Bruyne and, oh, that the biggest mistake ever, uh, letting that player go. <laughs> um, um, but you've got people that can pick things out. And the Chelsea did so well against Man City because they worked their socks off at closing them down. And they've got to go out to Spain, to Madrid, and they've got to work their up. They're in for one hell of a, a shift. And if they can do that and play like they did against Manchester City and catch them on the break, I think 
we've got a chance of getting a very good result in the first leg. But by the same token, if we allow them to play their football, then they are dangerous, as, as Liverpool found out. What front three would you go with? Would you go with, again, Werner up top, or would you play him on the left? Would you play a false nine? Um, yeah, I think I would. I, I think I'd play um, exactly the same way. Uh, and I'd play with the same uh, three. Um, and I honestly think that we were... Because you've got Ramos, who loves to... You know, to bully centre forwards, doesn't he? He loves loves to bully. Well, he he's he's, he's still doubtful for the game. He he he's, he he's still doubtful. Hazard is supposed to be back, which will be interesting. See how he gets on. But Madrid have still got a few injuries lingering about, and also their league season. Although they're I think joint top, they did uh, uh, drew nil nil with Real Betis, so they're not the Real Madrid of of old. So certainly not. And I, I've said this when the draw was made after the quarterfinals. I think we can beat Real Madrid. Put it this way. There's lots of Real Madrid teams in the past that you'd fear going to Madrid. I don't think there's fear. I don't think there's fear that, that you, you're going to get stuffed 2 or 3, 4 nil. What I think there is, is there's a belief growing in Chelsea. And whether you win 1 nil or 4 nil or 5 nil, if you're winning, you get that, that real sort of belief. Um, and I honestly believe those che- those Chelsea players, the big difference, I think the Chelsea players will be looking forward to it rather than fearing it, if that makes sense. Because they're going with a very, very good vein of form. Um, and it's going to be a tight game. And I, to be honest with you, Keith, I think it'll go to the second leg. And uh, that would be a fantastic thing to get both, and we mustn't forget about this, both... Chelsea's men's team in the European Cup and the women's team in the in the European Cup. What a great double that would be for Chelsea. Yes, of course. We haven't mentioned the women's team too much on, on the podcast recently, but they played in the European Cup against Bayern Munich yesterday. They, although they'd lost, they're still in the tie. So yeah. they've got a very good chance of progressing and overturning that 2-1 defeat. So hopefully... The Chelsea women, and they are a good side. Hopefully, they can beat Bayern Munich, and that'll be fantastic for the club to have yeah. the men's and the women's team in a European final. Yeah, it was like how it was a few years ago with the FA Cup final. Chelsea women's yeah. were in the FA Cup, and the men's team was in the FA Cup. So that that'll be interesting. And um, Steve, just a couple of bits before we finish, a couple of sort of transfer rumours that I, I want to sort of get your thoughts on. Of course, Tammy hasn't played much. I think. When he came on, came off the bench on Saturday, I think it was his first appearance since February. I think he scored twelve goals for us this season, so he's, I think he's our joint top goal scorer still. Yeah. I find that mind-boggling. He's been linked with the likes of Wolves, Villa, Leicester. Do you believe that this is the last season for Tammy at Chelsea, or do you still think that he's still got something to give for Thomas Tuchel and the club? No, I think it's his last season. And if I was Tammy, I'd be looking to um, to move on anyway for my career's sake. He's still not, the to me, the finished uh, product. I think he's got a lot to learn. But the only way he's going to learn is by playing playing football week in, week out. And if he went to a place like Aston Villa or Leicester, you know, they're good moves with good coaches and a couple of teams that play really good football. And he would benefit from that. Yeah, but he, uh, I agree. 
you know, it's, uh, and I'm sure he wants to go. You know, I think he's, you know, as you say, he hasn't even been in match day squads. So he must be pulling his hair out at the moment. The other rumour that's going round um, with another departure, not in this country as such, but quite a, uh, a big story in Spain, is that um, Atletico Madrid are apparently linked with a move for Cesar Aspilicueta in, in the summer. Where do you see that one? Do you think that there's something in that or do you believe that's more sort of rumour? No, I think, Keith, I would think that's that's a, a likely deal as well. I, you know, he's he's been a fantastic servant. He's been one of the most professional people, players, I think we've ever signed. He's a really, really dedicated, works hard at his game, give you everything. Um, and to me, that's the sort of move when you're 30, 31, 32, to move back to Spain, still going to play Champions League football. You know, it's a great move for him. And it's one he deserves as well. And it might be a, a nice payday for him as well, which would be nice for him. Been at the club nine seasons and we signed him, I believe it was around seven or eight million pounds. And he, he's been such a fantastic servant for the club. Oh. Over over 400 appearances. Certainly one of the best acquisitions, I think, in, in the Roman era. Massively. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Massively. And... Uh, yeah, but I think I think what T- Tuchel will now look to do is to bring down, you know, get younger players in, you know, when, when you're 32, 33, he will look to replace those players and bring his own players in. But that's what I think he'll do because he's got to somehow put his own stamp and personality onto the team with signings. And, um, yeah, I could see that happening. That'll be interesting. Steve, one final bit. Uh, before we do eventually go, your score prediction for tomorrow, Real Madrid versus Chelsea at their ground. Um, the one thing that I didn't speak about, which I, I think is so important in semi-finals, is the away goal. And like the Chelsea ladies, they lost 2-1 yesterday, but I tell you what, all they've got to do is win 1-0. Um, I think it'd be a draw. And I just hope it's a scoring draw. So that, uh, you know, so if a one-all draw for us would be an absolutely fantastic result. Fantastic result. Especially with the way we're playing defensively. I know I'm a defender and I'm speaking like a defender, but, but you know, I'd be happy with a draw, a goal-scoring draw. But having said that, I think the game in Atletico Madrid, where we probably played the best football we've ever played, certainly for a long time, um, I think that's a harder place to go and get a result than than what's you know uh, than than tomorrow. But we've got to give them the utmost respect, and we've got to work so hard, you know, to stop Kroos lifting his head and picking out a twenty-yard, five-yard ball that's going to, you know. So it's going to be hard. It's going to be tough, but you don't get anything cheap in a European semi-final. Do you? They don't come round often. No. Well, they do for Chelsea. I think we've got the record, you know. One of the records for, for getting to the semi-final of the Champions League. Yeah, I did I did read somewhere sort of in the recent history, we've been sort of in more semi-finals than other English clubs. And again, as you say, it'll be interesting with the other semi-final, Man City versus PSG. That'll be quite tasty. But in regards to Tuesday, hopefully the boys 
do well and Thomas Tuchel gets these tactics right. And again, one thing we should mention is the fact that the game's not at the Bernabeu. It's at their sort of training ground complex. But that hopefully might give Chelsea a bit more of a relaxation, a bit more sort of less being intimidated, knowing that they're in the Bernabeu, because a lot of them have never played in that stadium before. So I think that that might... That might have a factor as well, so we shall see. But it's on tomorrow, 7.45 or 8 o'clock, whatever bloody times they normally have the games on. I believe it's 7.45. So catch Chelsea on the BT Sport if you're in this country. So catch us um, for another episode soon. What We have got a couple of plugs before we do eventually go. Uh, thank you for those who have listened to the recent player interview of Clive Wilson. That was a fascinating interview that we did last week. We are going to announce today that our next player interview that will be coming out later this week will be one of Paul Hughes. And for those that may not know who Paul Hughes is, research him. He was part of the Chelsea side under Rude Hullet and Gianluca Vialli. He was part of the side that was in the FA Cup run of 97. Fascinating story with him. That will be on the Blue Day podcast later this week. We hopefully will be back next week with another edition of the Blue Day podcast with myself and hopefully Steve Wicks. We can we will be reviewing the Real Madrid game and the Fulham game. For those of you that are not aware, we are on Instagram. Find us on Instagram at the Blue Day podcast. Find us on Facebook, the Blue Day podcast as well. We've got some the player interviews. We, we will upload more content on there. We are on Twitter at Blue Day Podcast. And also we are on YouTube, the Blue Day Podcast as well. So if you're fancying listening to us all day, then you can. You can go back and have a look at some past player interviews. We've had Steve Wicks as an interview as well. We've had Ron Harris. We've had Kevin Wilson. We've had Sean Wright Phillips. So we've had some fantastic guests on the show. So give them a listen. Hopefully give us a subscribe as well. But I've been Keith Lawrence. He's been Steve Wicks. Stay safe and carefree. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Podcast Network.